Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Soundington Media! Hey, Meredith. Hey, Brian. When it comes to space, what are you most curious about? Um, I'm curious about life on other planets. What about you? I think I've got to be most curious about the Big Bang, right? Yeah, how it all began. Yeah, I mean, it was like this super tiny, infinitesimally small point that exploded, and then now we're all here. Yeah, but what was that point in, like, if there was no universe? Well, I mean, that's my question. That's my question. Did you know that NASA's Europa Clipper mission is trying to figure out if Jupiter's moon Europa has conditions favorable for life? And did you know that Europa Clipper is preparing to conduct the first dedicated and detailed study of an ocean world beyond Earth? <gasps> I'm Meredith Stepien. And I'm Brian Holden. And this is Reach, a space podcast for kids. Welcome to Reach, a space podcast for kids. You know, Brian, I've been thinking a lot about traveling lately. To Michigan? No, more like the moon. Now that's a car trip. But hey, why? Um, because the moon's so pretty at night, I want to go see it. Mmm. And it's not too far, so I wouldn't have to be in a spaceship for a long, long time. Okay, so where would you go? But you have to stay within our solar system. Well, I would go out to Jupiter, for sure. Why Jupiter? It's, um, you know, like the mega planet in our solar system. Yeah. Could get a look at the great red spot, and it's got so many moons, There's there's got to be some action there, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder where our listeners might want to go. Hey. Good question. I'm Hank. I want to go to Saturn because it's a gas planet and I want to go inside it. Hi, this is Ari from At Your Level. I would go to the meteor belt because with a device that can jump super high, I would jump from meteor to meteor. Ooh, those are good answers. I like the idea of hopping around on some rocks, jumping into some gas. Yeah, I wish I had thought of hopping around on the rocks. Yeah, hopping. Well, this week on Reach, we had the chance to sit down with Dr. Cynthia Phillips, Europa Project staff scientist and science communications lead at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. She talked all about Europa, which is Jupiter's ice-covered moon. I heard Europa contains a salty global ocean with more liquid water than all of Earth's oceans combined, and that Europa could even help us answer one of our most fundamental questions. Are we alone? So cool. Cynthia shared some amazing stories about Europa, including why she's so interested in studying this incredible ocean world in our own solar system. Why don't we just start by you telling us who you are and what you do? It's really exciting to be here. Uh, so my name is Cynthia Phillips, Dr. Cynthia Phillips, and I'm a planetary geologist at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. And what that means is that I study the surfaces of planets and moons in our solar system. What do you like better, planets or moons? 
definitely moons. And we haven't even discovered all the moons yet, right? There could be more around Jupiter potentially. That's right. Every time we look at somewhere like Jupiter or Saturn or even Neptune and Uranus, we keep finding more moons. And most of those are little tiny moons, but still, they're still really exciting. So exciting and so cool. I love moons. Okay, so in this episode, we're talking about a really big topic, not just moons, but we're also talking about life on other worlds. So we're obviously really, really curious about the Europa Clipper mission. But first we want to know, what is Europa, first of all? And also, uh, what are the essential ingredients for life? Why are we so excited about Europa? So Europa is a moon of Jupiter, and it's about the same size as our own moon, Earth's moon. But Europa looks completely different. The surface is covered with ice. So if you've ever gone outside at night and you've looked at Earth's moon, you know it kind of looks bright and there's kind of some dark splotches on it. And those dark splotches are craters. So those are places where rocks from space, like asteroids and comets, have smashed into the moon and they've made these big holes. And those are the craters. And you can even just see those with your eyeballs if you go outside at night and look at the moon. That's what those kind of dark splotches are. But if you look at Europa, this moon of Jupiter, it looks completely different. And so we know that the surface is covered with ice and we know that that ice has gotten broken up in some places. It's cracked, it's moved around, it's tilted up, it's tilted down, and it's just a crazy looking place. Can we see Europa with binoculars? You can. If you go outside and look at the stars at night, sometimes you'll get to see Jupiter. And sometimes when Jupiter is up in the sky, it looks like one of the brightest stars. But if you looked at it even just with binoculars or with a little telescope, Sometimes you might see next to Jupiter, there are these little bright lights that all go in a line. And sometimes there might be four or three, depending on what night it is. And those are the four, they're called the Galilean satellites of Jupiter. And they all go in a line because they all orbit around Jupiter. And one of those is Europa. It's so cool. So exciting. And the reason they're called Galilean moons is because of Galileo seeing them through his telescope. Am I correct? That's right. So that's one of the really coolest things about the Jupiter system is that we used to think that all the planets orbited around the Earth, not around the Sun. And so there was this guy named Galileo hundreds of years ago who was one of the first people to look at the sky through a telescope. And so he pointed his little telescope at Jupiter and he noticed that there were these little stars. Look, he thought they were stars at first, but when he mapped out where they were every night over and over again, he figured out they were actually going around Jupiter. And so that was the first time that we saw something was orbiting around something that wasn't the Earth. And so that helped him figure out that actually everything in the solar system was orbiting around the sun, not around the Earth. So it was a super big deal. And so these four satellites got named the Galilean satellites after Galileo. And their real names are Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. So now let's get to the Europa Clipper mission. Let's talk about it. What is it? Let's talk about the instruments. And is it actually going to detect potential signs of life? Europa Clipper mission is a mission that I'm, I'm lucky enough to get to work on. And it's amazing. So in between Voyager, right? So we had the Voyager mission in the late 1970s. Then in between there, we actually had another mission called Galileo. So this is Galileo the spacecraft, named after Galileo the person, okay? So Galileo the spacecraft flew past Jupiter. It, it actually orbited around Jupiter. 
and it had a lot of flybys where it would go around Jupiter, they would go around Europa, they would go around Jupiter again, and they would go around Ganymede. And it kept doing this over and over again. And so every time it flew close by one of these moons like Europa, it took pictures that were even better than those pictures taken by Voyager. And so in those Galileo pictures, that's when we started seeing not just cracks, but actually things that look like icebergs on the surface. So places where the surface had cracked, where it had moved around, um, and they were just amazing pictures. And so I was lucky enough to get to work with the Galileo spacecraft uh, back when I was in graduate school. And so I got to help take some of those pictures and they're so beautiful, okay? But that's all we have. And so that was in like the, the 1990s, we got those pictures. So now it's like 20 years later, we still haven't gotten any more pictures of Europa. We've been waiting, we've been working on a new mission because we know from, we knew from the Galileo spacecraft that the surface is, again, it's covered with ice. We know it has these icebergs. We know it has these weird places that look like the surface got all broken up. And so we got even more clues that there's an ocean under that ice layer. And not just that, but that it's an ocean of liquid water. And we think that this water is like Earth's oceans. It's salty, but it's not super salty. It's just, you know, kind of like ocean water. And there's actually more water, we think, on Europa than all of Earth's oceans combined. So we're talking about a huge layer of water, and that is so exciting. And so Europa is really far away from the sun, right? So it's five times further away from the sun than the Earth is. And so there's not that much sunlight on Europa, but we think that all of these cracks, we think that it's basically due to tides. So we think that as Jupiter, Jupiter's the biggest planet in the solar system, right? It's gigantic. Mm -hmm. So we think that Jupiter actually tugs on Europa and we think that it cracks the surface. And this energy could also help keep that water, that ocean liquid, helps keep it from freezing solid. And so we think that this is called tidal heating. And we think that this heat, it could keep the ocean liquid, but maybe it could help life survive there too. And so that's what's so exciting. And that's why NASA started working on this Europa Clipper mission that's going to go back to Europa and it's just going to study Europa. And it's going to help us really understand how Europa works and whether maybe Europa could be a place that life could survive beyond the Earth in our solar system. Tell us about the spacecraft itself. It's going to do some flybys around Jupiter. So tell us about the spacecraft. So the spacecraft is... It's gonna orbit around Jupiter and it's gonna have a whole bunch of flybys, like maybe 50 or maybe even more flybys where it just goes by Europa. So the Galileo spacecraft that I talked about that was there you know, 25 years ago now, that one, it looked at all of the big satellites, but Europa Clipper is just gonna focus on Europa. And so the Europa Clipper spacecraft, it's gonna keep flying past Europa over and over again. And every time it flies by, it's gonna take new pictures and observations and measurements of a different part of Europa's surface. And so over the course of a couple of years, we'll be able to build up a really good idea of not just what Europa's surface looks like with those pictures, but Europa Clipper has other instruments on it. So it has something called a radar instrument that actually sends out signals that are able to go through the ice layer. And depending on how thick the ice layer is, maybe even bounce off of water. So there could be maybe lakes of water that are inside the ice layer 
or if we're lucky, this radar will be able to go all the way through the ice layer and detect the top of the water layer, the ocean layer. And so that'll tell us how thick the ice crust at the surface of Europa is and where the ocean starts. And Europa Clipper also has, has a bunch of different cameras. It has cameras that take pictures in the visible light. That's kind of the light that your eyeballs can see. But mm -hmm. it also has cameras that can take pictures in the infrared. And so these cameras will be able to take pictures and tell us what the composition of the surface is. And there's other instruments that will even be able to measure the temperature of the surface. And so this thermal instrument will be able to measure the temperature across Europa's surface and look for what we call hot spots. And hot spots are just spots that are hot. They're places on the surface that are hotter than everything around them. And we think that that could mean maybe there's water closer to the surface. So that would be really cool to find. What inspires you? What makes you feel passionate about space in general? So I read a lot of science fiction when I was a kid and I watched movies and I watched TV shows and, you know, I'm really disappointed that we're not all living in Star Trek right now, right? I want, you know, I want like my spaceship with my warp drive and I want to meet aliens, and go around to all these other planets and, you know, come on, someone's got to invent one, right? But yeah, I mean, really what's what's inspired me and what what drove me into this was the sense that there's so much out there that we don't know yet really what got me into doing what I'm doing is I was in high school and the Voyager spacecraft, right? So that was the first one that flew past Jupiter. But when it flew past Jupiter, I was really too young to care about pictures of space, right? But by the time it kept going, okay? So Voyager flew past Jupiter, then past Saturn, then past Uranus, then past Neptune. It just kept going out of the solar system. And so by the time it flew past Neptune, I was in high school and they were going to have it a broadcast on TV with this thing called Neptune All Night, where basically it was they had a live camera feed from the control room at NASA's Depth Propulsion Laboratory. And there are all these famous scientists, including Carl Sagan, who was like the most famous scientist back in the day then. Okay. Like he was amazing. He was like, you know, the voice of science. Okay. So he was there in the control room and all these other scientists, and they had this live broadcast. And it basically went all night long because the spacecraft didn't care if it was day or night when it was sending back pictures. It was just sending them back as they took them. Um, and so I remember watching it and seeing these pictures come in and realizing that this is the first time that human eyes had ever seen these moons of Neptune. And they were amazing looking, right? They were, you know, nothing you ever would have predicted. They were just so cool. I remember at one point, so this picture comes in, it's this crazy looking picture of one of the moons of Neptune. And so Carl Sagan, okay, Carl Sagan, right? Like the most famous scientist in the world. He's looking at this picture and he's like, wow, I have no idea what that is. And that was the moment that struck me. I was like, wow, if even Carl Sagan doesn't know what this picture is, he doesn't know what these features are on this moon of Neptune, there's still stuff out there to be discovered. There are things that humans haven't done yet. They've never seen yet. And I could be part of that. And so that was my dream when I was in high school. And so I worked really hard in high school. I took a lot of classes in math and in science. And I went to college and I studied astronomy. And then I realized that astronomy was all about like stars and galaxies. It wasn't even about planets. Mm -hmm. So then I found this field called planetary science. That's the study of planets. And so I went to graduate school. And when I was in graduate school, I was so lucky to get to be part of this Galileo mission that was taking pictures of Europa. And we were seeing what Europa looked like for the first time. And so it was so amazing. Oh my God, it was just phenomenal. So 
that's what I want to do. And so now here I am, you know, 25 years later, and I actually work at JPL and I get to work on a mission that's going to go back to Europa and see it better than we've ever seen before. I am so lucky to get to do what I do. And it is so exciting. Your dreams are coming true. It's totally true. And, and a lot of it was hard work and a lot of it was just, you know, being lucky, but also really keeping my eyes on like, this is what I want to do. So I feel really fortunate. So amazing. There's so much unexplored, even just in our solar system. It's so cool that you're working on this. We don't want to keep you too much longer. You've been such a wonderful guest, but do you have any last minute advice that you would give to our young listeners? I would say find something that you really like and figure out how to do it. And your first idea of how to do it might be totally wrong. Like for me, for example, I was like, oh, I want to study the planets, so I should study astronomy. And so I got to college and I started studying astronomy and I kept waiting for us to study planets. And we kept talking about like stars and galaxies and nebulas. And finally, I, you know, asked at one point, I was like, okay, when do we get to planets? And they were like, oh, we don't do planets here. Those are in planetary science. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> But, you know, I figured out that, okay, I have to go to this totally different department and study planetary science. And, you know, not that astronomy is not bad, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I kept like, you know, even though I didn't always go in the right direction at first, you know, I kept sort of this idea in my mind of what I wanted to do. And I sort of figured out how to do it, even though it certainly wasn't like a straight path. So I guess I would say, don't be discouraged and keep trying different things. And if you find something you really like, then figure out, you know, what you can do to get yourself there. So cool. Thank you so much, Cynthia. This has been awesome. I'm so excited to learn more about Europa. We hope to have you back soon. It's been really fun. Thank you so much. Meredith, that was such a cool opportunity to speak with Dr. Cynthia Phillips. You know, Brian, it's so funny. While we were speaking with Cynthia about Europa, we had the chance to chat with another one of Jupiter's moons. That's right. We were lucky to catch up with our good friend Io, one of Jupiter's moons, in this week's installment of Did You Know? Hello, Io. Thanks so much for having me, Brian and Meredith. Ah, did you know that? I am one of the 79 known moons to orbit planet Jupiter and one of four moons discovered by Galileo Galilei and Simon Marius in the year 1610. Whoa! That's right, 1610! I am older than you might have imagined from my fun personality. Well, you definitely are fun, I.O. I am the most volcanically active world in the solar system, with hundreds of volcanoes, some erupting lava fountains dozens of miles high. Basically, you could say, I'm a party. I'm a party within a party within a volcano. Boom, baby. My volcanoes are oftentimes so powerful that they are seen with larger telescopes on the Earth. Are you with me? That means you could be seeing me from Earth. You can look at... You're on Earth, okay? And you look into a telescope and you can totally peep me. That's pretty wild. Okay. Did you know that I'm kind of a movie star? 
And I had a role in the sequel to the film 2001, A Space Odyssey 2010, in which astronauts make a dangerous spacewalk above my volcanoes. Like I had my own trailer and they brought me snacks because I'm a movie star now. I don't think a real actor could actually walk on my surface because it's a lot of magma and lava. But if anyone wanted to visit me, I'd love it if it was Ryan Gosling. Wow. We appreciate you sharing all of that. So what else can you tell us about being Io? Okay, listen. I'm Jupiter's moon, but I'm also my own thing, okay? People have a hard time figuring me out, right? They think maybe I have an underground ocean of magma or maybe just little areas of magma. I know the answer and I could tell you, but a girl has to keep some of her secrets, right? I gotta keep some stuff to myself. I'm also kind of mysterious because no one can study me because I'm always flowing and erupting. Basically, I'm never in one place at the same time for too long. You think I'm over here? Boom, I'm popping off over there. Oh, let's, what's that going on over there? Nope, now I'm over here. Listen, the energy doesn't come from heat stored within the moon. It's generated by gravity. Okay, tell us more. Picture you've got your group of friends, right? On one side, I've got Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto, right? They're there. We're good friends. We love each other. Everything's fine. But on the other side is Jupiter. And Jupiter's like always pulling me away. Like Jupiter pulls and bends me and I start to heat up because I can't decide. Do I want to be with Callisto today? Do I want to be with Jupiter? Hey, maybe, you know, Ganymede and I, we like to chat. But now, uh uh-oh, Jupiter's pulling me. And that's what gets me to heat up. Yeah, I really feel those social pressures, too, sometimes. I mean, I don't think I feel the actual gravitational effects like you do, but I, I, I get where you're coming from. I got magma, tall mountains, and deep curves. You gotta appreciate a girl who embraces her curves. Io, thanks so much for joining us on Reach. Hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you, Brian and Meredith. Thank you for having me. I love to chat. Pop over anytime. In fact, I heard Earth people are about to send something to Europa. Stop by I.O. I'm open 24-7. Come on in. Check out one of my volcanoes. There's plenty to look at, so I hope to see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Meredith. Speaking of cool places to visit, we've talked about Europa, we've spoken with Io. I wonder if there are other moons we might want to visit one day. Great question. You know, Brian, in January 1986, Voyager 2 reached the Uranus system and briefly captured images of three very mysterious moons. Whoa. Now that's spooky. As part of this year's Scientist for a Day essay contest at NASA... Students in grades 5 and above are invited to write an essay, 300 words or shorter, about which of these three moons they'd want to send a future NASA exploration to. The moons are Ariel, Oberon, and Titania. Write about which of these three moons you'd like to explore further and what you'd hope to find if NASA visits them one day. Winning essays will be published on NASA's Radioisotope Power Systems website. Ooh, cool! The contest deadline is February 12th. That's my dad's birthday. So sharpen those pencils. And if you have an idea about which moon you'd pick, share it on social media and tag at Reach the Podcast. For more information on NASA's Scientist for a Day essay contest, check out the link in our show notes. You know, Meredith, it's unbelievable that we have so much to learn about moons like Europa. 
I'm so excited to find out if there's oceans there, and if so, there's little ocean creatures. Oh my gosh, yeah, little tiny like microbes or even maybe like space fish. That'd be amazing. And if you've been dreaming of learning more about a specific place in the solar system, let us know. We'd love to hear your ideas about places you'd visit in the solar system. Send us a drawing and post it on social media. Be sure to tag at Reach the Podcast. As always, we want to acknowledge that not everyone has access to computers or the internet. And if you're not able to get online, many local libraries offer publicly available internet access. Thanks for joining us for Reach, a space podcast for kids. We're your hosts, Brian Holden. And Meredith Stepien. This episode of Reach was written by Sandy Marshall with Nate DeFort, Meredith Stepien, and Brian Holden. Reach is produced by Nate DeFort and Sandy Marshall, who's a solar system ambassador for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and edited by Nate DeFort. Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case. And our logo was created by Stephen Lyons. It was a real honor to speak with Dr. Cynthia Phillips, Europa Project staff scientist and science communications lead at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Thanks again, Cynthia. We'd also like to say thanks to our friends at NASA's Space Place and to Kay Ferrari at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Io was voiced by the amazing Jamie Moyer, who you may know from voicing two characters on Bob's Burgers, NBC's AP Bio, Modern Family, and KC Undercover. Follow her on Twitter at Jamie underscore Moyer. That's J-A-I-M-E underscore M-O-Y-E-R. And as always, a big thanks to the REACH learning community. That's right. We especially want to thank Hank and Ari for their great contributions. You can hear Ari on his podcast, At Your Level, and catch Hank and his mother, Phoebe, on their podcast, The Adventures of Power Dog and Dogland. Do you have a question about space that's been on your mind? Our bi-weekly segment, entitled Reaching Out, is our chance to answer your questions. Tune in to Reaching Out next week to find out how you can be featured in an upcoming episode. Hey, Brian, did you know that Halley's Comet won't orbit past Earth again until 2061? Got it. Wait, hold on. I'm adding it to the shared calendar. Okay. So that doesn't conflict with anything so far in 2061. I have something. Oh. Did you put it in the shared calendar? Yeah. Okay, I guess my app hasn't updated yet. If you're enjoying Reach, be sure to tell your friends and leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice. Or share an episode on social media. And if you'd like to find us online, visit at Reach the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or on our website, reachthepodcast.com. Reach is a production of Soundsington Media committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to soundsingtonmedia.com. We've all been there. You're standing in a museum, staring at a painting, and all you can think is, I don't get it. To me, knowing the story behind an artwork is a huge part of knowing how to look at it. I'm Amanda, the host of the Art of History podcast, where we view history through the lens of some really great works of art. Each episode, we dive deep into the bigger picture behind some familiar and maybe not so familiar pieces. Check out Art of History now wherever you get your podcasts.